0: Would you turn quickly with me to what I believe is perhaps the greatest chapter in all of the New Testament Acts chapter 2 this morning We're going to begin what I pray will be an important and impactful series of studies not just on you who are members but Perhaps even on those who are soon to be members of Abilene Baptist Church And here's the question that I want to ask this morning as we begin Why do we exist? Why are we here? What is the mission and ministry of Abilene Baptist Church? And if you've been here for any time at all, uh, you know that we exist to bring people to Jesus and to build them up into fully mature, reproducing followers of Christ. That's why we are here. We are here to bring people to Christ, to see people saved. And then we are here to disciple them and to help them to grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to connect people to Jesus, his church, our community, and the world. And so over the next four weeks or so, we're going to be in a series of studies that I've entitled Great Expectations. And really as you're looking through these things and these topics and subjects and these emphases over the next couple of weeks, you're going to notice that these are really four essentials For a healthy church or a healthy Christian, we're talking about transformational worship, connected community, personal service, and intentional invitations. In other words, we worship, we work, and we witness. And so really what we're talking about is what we expect from you as members or soon-to-be members of Abilene Baptist Church and then what you can expect from us Uh, Last week when we got the chance to be away for a little while on vacation, thank you for letting us have that opportunity. Thank you for being so kind and gracious to my friend Scott Dawson. Uh, but I, I heard a report last week, and I went back and checked it. It's more than just what I understood last week. Matter of fact, Daily Mail, September the 3rd, 2023, had this lead. Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, and Wendy's among fast food chains hit by a 375% increase in class action lawsuits over false advertising. And basically, here's what, here's what we discovered, is that these lawsuits claim, and one of them actually one against Burger King, I think it was last week or so. The lawsuits claimed that the burgers and the burritos shown on the billboards and on the advertisements, like we see on social media and on Google and, and in magazines and those sorts of things, were 35% bigger with double the meat than the food that we actually purchase. <laughs> Does that come as a surprise to anybody here this morning? You know, I'm a kid of the 80s, and so I just want to say it this way. Where's the beef? Right? And so really what what you're talking about here is that they're not living up to expectations. Now, I will say this, and this is free. I went to Chick-fil-A the other day because it's God's chicken. And um, they have a new sandwich. How many of y'all have had that thing? That permit? How many of y'all have not had that thing? Raise your hands. I, I just put it this way this morning. It lives up to expectations. It's absolutely amazing, right? So I'm big about expectations. Matter of fact, whenever I talk to somebody, I was, I was sharing with one of my neighbors the other day who's looking and interested in coming to Abilene. And even last week when Scott, when Scott was going to come and preach over Labor Day weekend, uh, whenever I'm talking to somebody about Abilene, you're going to come and visit. I guarantee I've done this with some of you guys. I always say the same thing. I'm really big on expectations. And so what I was doing with my neighbor the other day is I, I said, I want you to come, and, and, and I'm really big on expectations, and, and here's what you can expect. If you come to Abilene, and I show pictures. Scott Dawson's going to be preaching out last week at, at West, and I, I sent him pictures. I said, here's what you can expect when you show up out at West because I really do believe that expectations are important, but here's what we need to understand is that the reality has to measure up to the expectations, Right? And so what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks is really how to connect and how to stay connected and, and you see this all the way through the, the second chapter of acts and luke talks about the fact that they were in one accord and they were together they continued steadfastly they had all things in common and then he calls them the church shane Pruitt put it this way he said don't just attend church love the church serve the church Give through the church, invite people to church, worship Jesus with the church, encourage the church, participate in the church, pray for the church, be the church. And to all of that, I would say again, amen and amen and amen. Now, you may be sitting there this morning and you're going, why are you talking about this to us? We're here. We're not like the backsliders that are at the tournaments this week. We're not like the ones that are at the lake this week. Why why are you talking about this to those of us who are here? Because here's why. It may be possible to attend church and not be a healthy Christian, but it is impossible to be a healthy Christian and not attend church. And so you're there in Acts chapter 2. I guess you are. Are you there? If you're there, say, uh uh-huh. Notice what Luke says. Luke says in Acts 2, beginning in verse number 40. Let's read down through the end of the chapter. He says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Those who were being saved. This morning as we talk about the importance and the impact of consistent corporate worship, there are about four things that I want you to write down somewhere. I want you to put these down somewhere. I want you to put them in your Bible. I want you to put them on your notes or on your phone. I want you to write them on a Zaxby's napkin. I don't care. I want you to put these down somewhere. Because these are not just important for you. They're not just important for us. These are important for our kids. It's important for our neighbors this is important for our community and the very first thing that I want you to see here out of Acts chapter 2 is what I call the call to worship and really you see it all the way through the chapter but the question is why should we gather together for worship what does it matter Why does it matter whether we come together and worship here or we're three of us on the lake somewhere or gather together at a a table at a ball tournament over a weekend? What matters? Why does it matter? Well, look there in verse 40. I can look all the way through the chapter, but just notice what he says here. He starts off, and with many other words, that's Luke's way of saying he talked a lot. Makes me feel better. (laughs) And with many other words, he testified and exhorted he encouraged them saying be saved from this perverse generation he's given this invitation first to salvation and then ultimately to a personal relationship with god and so Acts chapter 2 is a powerful picture and a call to worship so the question is what is worship and i love what warren wearsby said warren wearsby said worship is giving all that i know of me to all that i know of god that's what worship is Matter of fact, Dr. Rogers put it this way. He said, worship is our greatest need, our ultimate privilege, and our supreme duty. And we have been called to worship. You say, well, I just don't know that. Where, 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 where do you see that? Well, you see it also in the word church. You say, well, I don't see it in the word church. It's because you're not looking right. So if you look at it in the Greek, it's the word ecclesia. ekklesia. Originally, it was the word that meant a gathering of those summoned. Biblically, it came to be understood as a called out or a called together assembly or congregation. Which is why I love the fact that the psalmist in Psalm 95 beginning in verse 1 said, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all the gods. We... Have been called to gather together to worship God. Now, you know, back in the old days, they had churches that had bells, they had a rope out in the foyer. And the way that you knew it was time to go to church and gather together for worship is they would have some young guy uh, who was his, maybe an older dude, and his job was go out there and ring the bell. I mean, anybody raised in a church you had a bell? Can I see your hands? So you'd ring the bell. So back in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 10, God comes to Moses and God says, Hey, when it comes time to gather the leaders and then the people together, here's what I want you to do. You're going to sound the trumpet. You're going to blow it one time, and you're going to bring the leaders. You're going to blow it twice, and you're going to bring everybody else, and you're going to gather there together before the tabernacle. You're coming for worship. And then he even talks about how you're going to blow the trumpets, and they're going to go out to war. So when I was a kid, and I was at First Baptist Smiling, third, fourth, fifth grade, I was in RA's royal ambassadors anybody remember royal ambassadors back in those days remember royal ambassadors and so um royal ambassadors was kind of like baptist boy scouts and we used to have this thing and i guess it's still there in tennessee called camp Linden, and over on the banks of the buffalo river and so i was the very first guy the boy to go from first baptist Mile to ra camp at camp Linden. they put me in the all by myself put me in a van some guy that i don't remember who he was wasn't my dad put me in a van drove me up to camp Linden. Opened up the door, threw out my bag, pushed me out of the, out of the van, and said, You're here till the end of the week. A little bit intimidating. And then they took me up to my room up at the Whippoorwill Lodge, up on the top of the, up on top of the, the hill there. And I was in this room, and, and it was great. I mean, you're out there. You're in the woods. You're on the banks of the Buffalo River. You're going to get to make fires and, and, and all those sorts of things. And then the next morning, there was a sound. I, I'd never heard it before. And it was early. And, and the sound went something like this. Sound familiar to anybody? Raise your hands. All the military folks, right? Bring back bad memories or good memories? Yeah, not good memories, right? So, revelry. And so, what you had is you had just enough time. You had to get down from Whippoorwill on the top of the hill, down 347 stairs to the uh, basketball courts in front of the mess hall, lined up in rows for calisthenics before you got to go in for breakfast. Again, military folks, is this ringing a bell? Can I see your hands? Right? That's what worship is. Worship is a call to battle. Worship is warfare. As a matter of fact, Dr. Charles Kraft put it this way. He said, worship is one of the most important things human beings can do, not because it feeds God's ego, but because it lines us up with him and against our enemy. Worship is an act of war. It is also an act of participation, strengthening our relationship with God and with each other. In worship, we declare that we are on God's side. We declare this to God, to ourselves, to other people, and to the whole spirit realm. We have been called to worship why because God's looking for so John chapter 4 Jesus is talking to a woman by a well middle of the day hot and Jesus makes this statement in John chapter 4 he says that the father is looking for worshipers to do what to worship him in spirit and truth God is looking for worshipers now does that bother you it bothered C.S. Lewis C.S. Lewis, remember before Narnia, before screw tape letters? So C.S. Lewis was an atheist who became an agnostic, who became a, a, a reluctant, his words, a reluctant Christian, who then became an apologist. And that's not making an apology, it's, it's actually giving a reasoned defense for the Christian faith. And he said the reason why he was what he called a reluctant Christian. Went back to this idea And he said there was a point in his journey Where he believed in God He just didn't like him very much You say well I don't like you saying that Well I didn't say it C.S. Lewis said it And the reason why Goes back to John chapter 4 And he said that when he read there That God is looking for worshipers. Now this is his word By the way Don't you write me a letter I didn't say this. C.S. Lewis said it. C.S. Lewis said the reason he had that problem was it sounded to him like, quote, God is a vain woman wanting compliments. Now, don't you write me letters. I didn't say it. But what he reasoned was he said, He wondered why it seemed like God way somehow needed man. But he finally decided that if God wasn't looking for worshipers for what it would do for him, then it must mean that he was looking for worshipers for what it would do for us. Look right here. God's not looking for worshipers because God needs us. God's looking for worshipers because we need God. And so we've been called to worship him privately, daily in our private prayer and praise time. And we've been called to worship him corporately on the first day of the week with our church family. We are the ecclesia, the ones who've been called out, come together, call together, and one day will be called up. There's the call to worship. Number two, jot down this second thing somewhere. There's what I call the culture of worship. So what should happen when we gather for worship? Again, you can look through the whole chapter, but look in Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You know why this is so important to me? Look right here. We would be better people if we were better worshipers. You know why? Because we become what we worship. Some of y'all, that means y'all are going to become a football. Some are going to become a baseball. Some are going to become a shotgun. Some are going to become a boat. But we become what we worship. When I was growing up in West Tennessee, my parents had this, this fireplace insert, this stove. And in the winter, we heated our house with it. And, and uh, you, you young people wouldn't know anything about it, but you actually take wood... And you stick it in there and you set it on fire and it heats your house and it's actual fire you will burn yourself it's not like the one on your wall at your house out in Grovetown now where you flip the switch and it looks like it's no 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 it's fire and we had this this little thing sitting next to the fireplace this stand and it had a brush a shovel and this thing called a poker and one of the things that i learned really quickly was you you stick that poker in there and if you leave that poker in the fire long enough the fire gets in the poker why do you need to be faithful to worship because you need the fire to get in the poker you need so how do you do that well let me give you several ways Number one, worship is to be focused on the Father. That's what the word worship means. It's an old Anglo-Saxon word that just simply means worthship. In other words, we worship only that or that one who is worthy of our worship. That's why we don't worship preachers. That's why we don't worship personalities. That's why we don't worship powers. That's why we don't worship angels. We only worship the one who is worthy of our worship. The only one who is worthy of our worship is God. So the purpose of our worship is to glorify God, but the prerequisite of our worship is to focus on God. And that's the problem with so many churches out there today. They're focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on the act of worship instead of focusing on the object of worship. They're focusing on the singing, not the Savior. They're focusing on creating an atmosphere instead of relying on the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, worship involves singing, but it's more than singing, right? Worship involves praising, but it's more than praising. Worship involves thanksgiving, but it's more than thanksgiving. Worship involves preaching, but it's more than preaching. The focus of our worship should never be on the music, the man, or the message. It should always and only be on the master. R. Right, Tory put it this way. He said, when we bring our prayers, we focus on our needs. When we bring our thanksgiving, we focus on our blessings. But when we bring our worship, we focus on God. The psalmist said, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Worship is to be focused on the Father. Number two, worship is to be founded on the Son. If you've heard me say this one time, you've heard me say it a hundred times. This church and every church should be a Jesus church. I don't want to magnify I'm so proud of you guys. We've had the best summer we've ever had. I'm just telling you, the best summer. I've been here 11 years now. The best summer we've ever had. We didn't drop below 1,200 all summer long. We were over 1,000 every Sunday in Sunday school in in August. We have had an amazing summer, baptized 21 people after two hours' worth of thunderstorms on a Sunday night in a pool. But I don't want to magnify Abilene Baptist Church. I don't want to magnify this, this music and worship ministry. I don't even want to magnify the preacher. I want us to make sure we magnify Jesus. You say, why that? Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. When you leave here this morning, and you, you are going to get to leave in a little bit. But when you leave here this morning, I want you to say, you know, if he mentioned Jesus one time, he mentioned him a hundred times. I'd much rather, we have a lot of guests every weekend now. I would much rather have a guest walk out of here after a Sunday morning worship service and say, you know, they just get a little too excited about Jesus down there. Then for them to walk out and say, if he doesn't mean anything more to them than that, then why do I need him? I want them to see who we love. I want them to see the excitement and joy in our heart. And I want them to say, I don't know what it is that they have, but whatever it is, I want it. So worship must be focused on the Father, founded in the Son, and then finds its force in the Spirit. Because I don't know of anything that will set a church on fire like real worship. I don't think that there ought to be anything more exciting in a Christian's life than real, authentic, genuine worship. Now, you all don't agree with that. You don't. don't. I've said that in every service this morning, and you sit there and look at me like a bump on a log. And and, and it's kind of like this right here. It's kind of like this. Can you all see me back there? You all sit there like this right here, and you go... Bless me. Right? I had to look at y'all every Sunday morning like that. I dare you. Bless me. And see, here's what I know. You didn't sit that way during that football game last night. You acted like an idiot. How do I know? Because I did too. Man, I'm speaking in tongues at the TV during the Tennessee game. And at the end, I'm saying, don't throw the goalposts in the river. Throw the refs in the river. There don't ought to be anything more exciting in a Christian's life than real, authentic, genuine worship. It should not be something that you endure. It ought to be something that you enjoy. You ought to be enthusiastic about it. Because it's what the word means. Enthusiastic, two Greek words, in, which means in, and theos, which means God. So to be enthusiastic means that you are in God and you know that God is in you. <laughs> you say, well, I still ain't going to do it. I know. You say, I, Pastor, I just don't get carried away. Ugh, I get it. some of y'all are not going to get carried away till the undertaker comes for your body. I get that. <laughs> but worship must be focused on the Father, founded in the Son, and finds its force in the Spirit. Now, number three, real quickly, we have got to get it done. The components of worship. What should we do when we gather? And this is really what you wanted. What makes up a worship service? And again, you can see it all the way through the second chapter of Acts. If you look down there in verses 42 through 43, you see it again a little bit more explicitly. As I've looked through it, I think there are about four things that are components of a worship service. Number one is preaching. It's preaching. Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost, the very first thing that he does, he starts preaching. And I would say to you this morning, and you're not going to hear this at every church, and I can point at churches around the area that would not agree with this, but I'll just tell you this right here. We can get together on Sunday morning in this room, but until and unless the Bible is preached, it is not worship. Amen. I've said it for years. I love Bill Gaither. I love, I, I, I love, I love Chris Tomlin. But if those guys want to come on Sunday morning and take over the whole service, they don't get the whole service. We're going to preach. You say, well, what's preaching? Well, here's what preaching is. Preaching is the divinely appointed way for people to have a face-to-face encounter with the Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ, as revealed in the pages of the Bible. That's what preaching is. If you'll notice down there, they preached all the way through Acts 2. They preached. What they preach? They preached the miracle of Jesus' birth, the manner of Jesus' life. They preached the meaning of Jesus' death, the miracle of His resurrection, and the majesty of His reign. All the way down through there, Peter's just preaching Jesus. I'm going to give you something extra this morning. So have you ever wondered why that pulpit is front and center in this room? You ever, ask, you ever wondered? There's a reason for it, right? Have you ever wondered why it's not off to the side like it was in your Methodist church you grew up in or your Episcopalian? You ever wonder why it's not off to the side and there's a big one on one side and a little bit smaller one on the other side? You ever wondered why at Abilene, the pulpit is front and center in this room? You know why? It is a visual reminder of the primacy of preaching and the centrality of the proclamation of the Word of God in our worship. So in order to have worship, you've got to have preaching. But then you've got to have praying. Look in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. That's what your Bible says, right? Not at me if that's true. We gotta hurry up. Is that true? Yeah, it's wrong. Translators missed something. There's a definite. Anyway, any English teachers here? Raise your hand. Any English teachers? English English raise your hand. Any English? Anybody speak English here this morning? Raise your hand. <laughs> I'm from Tennessee, I don't. <laughs> I went back and checked it last night. The definite article is in there before the prayers. And Boyce put it this way. Boyce said, in the Greek, the definite article occurs before the word prayer. The text actually says, to the prayers. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Obviously, this is a reference to something formal, to worship in which the people got together and not only praised God, but prayed together to God. A worship service is not a worship service unless there's preaching, praying. And here's where you want me to get to, praising, right? It's the first first word of that last verse, praising God. By the way, the word there is only and ever used to describe the praise that is directed toward God and God alone. The word there is never used any other way. So when we praise, we're praising God. We're preaching God. We're praying, we're praising, and then lastly, we're participating. I'm going to embarrass Mike. So Mike Harlan has been here this week investing in our worship and music ministry, Lifeway Worship Forever, First Baptist, Jackson, Mississippi. Thank you for being here this week. And Mike and I were talking the other day. He made something. I put it in my notes, so you are are forever in my notes. And he made this statement, and I love it, and it's apropos for this time of the year, especially for you crazy Georgia fans. I said it out loud. If <laughs> you notice, I hadn't picked on Alabama one time this morning. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike made this statement the other day. He said, A football team isn't really a football team until they get together and play on the field. It's true. Offense practices separate from defense. Defense practices separate from the punt return, kick return. All the special teams. You're not a team until you're out on the field playing together. And for one thing that we learned during COVID is this. We're not a church until and unless we are gathered together for worship. Amen. Right? Howard Hendricks put it this way. He said... The local church is like a football game. Twenty-two people on the field, badly in need of a rest. Forty thousand in the stands, badly in need of exercise. <laughs> last night at Neeland, it was one hundred and one thousand nine hundred and fifty-one in the stands. We could have used some help. You right? Here's the last thing that I want you to see this morning, quickly: the crescendo of worship. When we get together and preach and pray and praise what should be the result I'm going to let scripture tell you look in verse 41 then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them look at the last verse of the chapter praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved When our worship is focused on the Father, founded in the Son, and fueled by the Spirit of God, people will be saved. It don't matter whatever else we do. You may think, well, preacher, when I come to church and I get those little goosebumps all over me, that's real worship. Mm -mm. Nothing wrong with that. man. I enjoy i'm a hillbilly from east tennessee i enjoy feeling my worship right but what does real worship result in people being saved people entering into relationship with god warren and david wearsby put it this way in their book real worship they said when ministry becomes performance, then the sanctuary becomes a theater, the congregation becomes an audience, worship becomes entertainment, and man's applause and approval become the measure of success. But when ministry is for the glory of God, his presence moves into the sanctuary. Even the unsaved visitor will fall down on his face, worship God, and confess that God is among us. So get ready to leave. I want to... I want to ask you two questions. So Jesus had that conversation with that that woman there in the middle of the day because she didn't want to come in the morning when it was cool or the evening when it was cool because that's when all the other ladies were there and they talked about her. Why, rather what, is God looking for? It's not a rhetorical question. You can talk back. What is God looking for? What does John 4 say? What's God looking for? Worshippers. What's God looking for? God is looking for worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And here's the second question. Will God find what he's looking for in me, in you, and in us? And I pray this morning that as we move into this series that you'll make the commitment to be faithful to worship, in worship, and from worship.